Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 176, Rants and Raves, recorded January 18th, 2015, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me uh, this week are your two stalwart co-hosts, Chris, the command line Godfather Neves, and Seth, the gooey kid Anderson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, everyone, and how's it out there in podcast land? Hey, everyone. I am so glad you could join us this fine, fine evening. Yes, not so fine if you happen to be a Packers fan, though. And I will say, ha ha. <laughs> Just because I'm not a big Seahawks fan, but I love that game. That was awesome. The I, end was worth it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, when they went to, uh, when the guy caught the interception and dove down rather than playing to win, I was like, that cost them the game. They're going to lose now because that was too, too much time left to go in a try not to lose mode. Yeah, well, you can always uh, Monday morning quarterback a game, but the fact is that um, Packers dominated except when they needed to. That, you know, yep. plain and simple. Um, so right now we're there by the time you hear this, we'll already know, but as we're recording, we're the contest between the New England Patriots and the Baltimore uh, Colts. Um, Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts, Baltimore Colts, um, not for many years. <laughs> I'm really having a stroke right now as we speak. Uh, the Indianapolis it's Colts is, is going you. on right now, and we'll see how it goes. I was hoping for between those two teams a uh, Packers Colts Super Bowl, just because I think that would be a good matchup. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, the way Seattle played today, I think either of the other two teams could beat them. But then again, the Packers could have beat them too and didn't. So right. we'll see. And for those of you who hate American football in two weeks, we'll have nothing more to talk about. So there you go. <laughs> um, that's, that's all I got to say about that, Seth. Uh, wait, Chris, um, you got the, you tried Cyanogen mod on the Nexus 7? I did. And actually I found out it was a weird couple of days while I, wrap my head around their directions on how to do the cyanogen mod. Um, but uh, when I found out whatever happened with my tablet, remember how I kept complaining I wasn't getting lollipop? Uh-huh. So about, I don't know, I, I was an on and off thing for about three hours while I was bouncing back and forth between dad duties and geek duties. And I unlocked the boot locker. Boot loader. Yeah, the boot loader. Wow, my, I'm having a brat, bad... <laughs> A bad brain day, too. I need to drink some more of this stuff. Maybe that might help. But uh, so I unlocked the bootloader, and then I got called away, and I came back, and I noticed that my tablet was downloading Lollipop. That's weird. Isn't that weird? The only thing I did was the steps to unlock the bootloader and then restarted the system, of course, then missing the fast boot menu and everything else. But, yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, well, why is it updating now? And didn't update when it was still factory. That just kind of made me shake my head. But so far, Cyanogenmon is on my Nexus 7, and um, it's not, there's no speed difference. I was kind of hoping for, since it would be a little lighter, it might be a little, a little speedier on this older lap, or this older tablet, but so far I haven't seen much. Um, the transitions have gotten better though. So anytime I move between games, 
and do that type of stuff, it's a little better. So I don't know. It's interesting, at least. I have run Cyanogen doing. Mod, uh, and I've, uh, you know, it's fine. Uh, I actually prefer stock uh, Android most of the time. Uh, Lollipop is really solid. I like to get cat. Uh, my wife, again, you know, on the, on the one plus one has cyanogen mod. She's, she's fine with it. You know, it, she's not going to use the geeky tweaks that I would use. Yep. Um, which actually I think says a lot about the, the, the OS in, in that it, uh, it is totally usable for somebody who's not a geek, even though cyanogen mod is sort of for the geeks. Um, my wife is finding it you know, perfectly functional. Of course, everything's different. She had a, the Samsung phone before, uh, so it had a, it had TouchWiz on it. So she's she's never seen a pure Google experience anyway. So, sure. Uh, and I, I would say a lot of people haven't, unless you've had a Nexus device. The odds of you ever having a a, a pure Nexus, a uh, pure Google experience, are pretty slim. Yeah, it's just kind of. I was expecting more when I put CyanogenMod Mod on. Maybe I'll tinker with it a little bit more in there. I know there's other op. Other mods that we can put on the Android devices, and I don't know. It's now become my tinker toy, so I have a feeling I'll be factory wiping it every couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm 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 running into the issue of of uh, jealousy hate. I I every day I look at my Nexus Five, and it's less and less of a desirable device. There's nothing wrong with it. It's still fine. I just hate it more and more because my wife has a better phone and I am the geek in the family that, that can't stand you. you, Your wife can't have a better phone. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at it and go, ah, this piece of crap. Um, it's, it's a fine device. It hasn't changed. I just now hate it. Right. And of course, you know, now that you're, well, you're now a purchased owner of the OnePlus One, so you'll get the next wave of invites before they yeah. go open orders. I, I've already did, had a couple. Yeah. I did notice that their site said something about going to open um, in orders with no invites here soon. So that might be interesting to see, too. Um, all right. Uh, I don't have any follow up to that. So your <laughs> other thing there is your HTC One M8, which you thought was amazing. Now maybe not so much. Well, no, no, it's not that I don't. It, it I think it hates me. Oh, okay. I, I have a. It seems to be every time I think I have the phone sitting right, I start getting these weird OS glitches. Is the best way I could put it, where like the phone will stop working all of a sudden, and it'll be working fine, and then they'll the, the I can't dial on it, or I can't do email on it or just weird little hiccups here and there. And I don't know if it's just my abuse of said phone and the operating system or if it's uh, just the fact that it hates me. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> but I, since since I've had the phone, I've had to factory wipe it twice. So Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. So maybe the answer be- is stop monkeying with it after the factory wipe. Maybe. Uh, or... The third time's a charm. Remember that old saying. There's a lot of truth in those old sayings. <laughs> it's true. Um, the other thing I'm going to try is here in a little bit, I'm going to swap the SD card out, and maybe it's the uh, SD cards going wonky and causing issues. That's the only thing else I could think of. I, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, my, my, none of my devices have SD cards anymore. So. Right. When, you know, like the Nexus doesn't seem to have any issues when I'm running it. And, you know, it it went, you know, between the last factory wipe and 
just this recent one with the uh, Cyanogen um, I only factory wiped that thing once in the two year, three years I owned it. So I'm wondering if it might be the H, the, uh, SD card being a little wonky and yeah. causing it, you know, read errors or something that I'm not seeing. All right. And that's enough of this episode of Fix, uh, Chris's phone. Um, <laughs> let's talk Come about, on. uh, about vacations everybody wants to go on, but only Seth gets to do for 200, Alex. <sighs> Well, 101 days from the recording of this show, I will be leaving for Hawaii. Um, my brother lives there, so it's the cost of an airfare ticket for me. And as you know, I'm the cheapskate, so I don't like to part with money. But I haven't seen my brother in a while, and I wanted to go see him. And so I was thinking about going at the end of May, and I was about to gonna have to buy my tickets because, you know, the closer you get, the more expensive it gets. And I heard on the radio driving into work uh this website bestfares.com free plug for them $488 round trip to Hawaii and so I was like yeah I'll just have to and so instead of going in the last part of me I have to go in the first part and so I I saw the the I got my ticket all lined up and before I bought it I had to get in touch with my brother because you know I'd hate to go over there and him be gone for whatever and so of course, it's there like six hours behind where I live. So by the time I got in touch with him and he said, yeah, he's going to be there. Um, I went back to look at the, that flight and it had already jumped $150. So I had to then move my trip a couple of days to still get that 488. So $488 round trip to Hawaii and then, you know, island hopping and a couple of hotel days. So hopefully I can do a, I can do Hawaii for a thousand dollars. That's my goal. So how long are you going to be gone, Seth? Uh, about two weeks. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm nice leaving on vacation. a yeah I'm leaving on a Wednesday and getting back on a Tuesday and just to punish myself for having that much fun I'm going back to work on a Wednesday. So oh, you sh- died on a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. Well, c- cool. I Hawaii is on my bucket list uh, for yep. sure. Mine um, too. Uh, I I know people there. Uh, from college and, you know, just from doing this show, I've met people. So, uh, right. I, let's have a Linux, uh, uh, everyday Linux meetup in Hawaii. Um, any of the islands, I don't care which one. Um, yeah, as long as you pay for my airfare. Uh, <laughs> except for me, flying is not about the cost. It is expensive, but it's about flying while fat. Um, and flying while fat is not a pleasant experience. Uh, you know, I've alluded to it on this, uh, before it as airlines. I was reading a, an article, I don't even remember where it was, but it was on the topic of big people flying, not just fat people, but big people in general. And it was like the uh, the average airline seat is 16 and a half inches across, which uh, anybody with a 36 waist or less can fit comfortably in that, which is, you know, a dwindling portion of the population. Um, and they're designed for a height of about five foot 10 or under. Um in terms of leg room. So if you ha- if you're five foot ten with a thirty six inch waist, then great. You're Jerry Seinfeld. You know, that that that's the body type who who can fly comfortably. Anybody bigger than that, I'm you know, I'm significantly taller than that and significantly wider than that. Um I've done some some puddle jumper flights for just an hour or two and it's pretty miserable. I c I couldn't imagine nine hours to Hawaii stuffed in a seat designed for a guy literally half my size and even if i bought two seats and could spread out a little that doesn't fix the legroom problem right 
Yeah, it yeah. is. Um, they're not fun. Uh, I had not. I I looked long and hard to find a flight that didn't go to Atlanta because the the airfare was yeah. through Delta. Yeah, and if I was you're like Delta, you're going to Atlanta. Yeah, I'm like, no, I'm not spending an extra two hours on those godforsaken tiny planes. So, um, I found one. I, I don't remember. It's either Salt Lake City or Los Angeles where I, um, train, where I switch planes. But yeah, they're, they're not fun. Just even whenever uh, flying out to California, it's, that's, that's too much for me. But, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm going to Hawaii. And so I've got like 101 days. Maybe I can drop a pound or two. And my goal is still to not have to get the extension on the seat, uh, or on the, on the seat belt. So that's my goal. A good goal to have. Yes. Oh, and if there's any EDL people in Hawaii, you know, shoot, let me know, shoot us an email and, uh, anybody have any good suggestions on what I should do when I'm there? I'm going to be on Oahu for a couple of days and then Maui for about a week and a half. Cool. So maybe we'll do some, uh, you know, if you get good bandwidth, we'll do a, a roving reporter thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to, uh, I'm maybe going to take my tablet and like, like I told Mark before the show, I'm, I may or may not be on the show for the two, the two weekends I'm out. Well, take your headset, so, Mike, and use your brother's computer. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He does have a computer over there. So, yeah, I didn't think it, about that. Good, good it, call. It's, I did never like it's that big of a bandwidth issue either. Well, I, but no, it's going to be, it'd be a time difference issue because yeah, this minus is six hours. Yeah. Yeah. This Five is noon. Years. Yeah. This is almost one o'clock uh, in the afternoon. That's prime sitting on the beach reading the book weather. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. The last thing you want to do on vacation is do a, a podcast. I'm not doing a podcast on my vacation. I don't expect you to do a podcast on yours. Um. Yeah, but you know, but okay. we'll see. Like I say, it's uh, that's a long way off, and I haven't started my Google Doc yet to flesh out my itinerary. So I've uh, I've got some time. <laughs> what a geeky thing to say! And yet I respect <laughs> you even more for it. Well, yeah, because you know I don't want to just have all this stuff in my head of things I want to do. Of course, you gotta have a spreadsheet. Just, you can't go yeah. on vacation without a spreadsheet. What well, maniac no. goes on vacation without a spreadsheet? Not a spreadsheet, just a doc, you know, things to do. Yeah, Google Keep is fine. But literally, I have a spreadsheet. I have places, dinner places to go, and I have it itemized into, you know, categories of of casual and and fine dining and and the cost, and it's it's sortable. So I've got a pivot table in there. I can pull stuff. Yeah, who who goes on vacation without a spreadsheet? It's everybody does. Me never again. I mean, after listening to that, why haven't I thought of that before? See, I just, that would be a great app, the vacation spreadsheet. We that's our million dollar idea for this week. Whoever's a code or listening, the vacation and now spreadsheet someone else just took it. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, they can make it and then just tip us something through Patreon. You know, there you go. There give you us go. a something. So I remind me. I'm going to tease the audience. I'm sorry. Remind me after the show to tell you about my million dollar idea that I can't talk about on the show. Um. Uh-oh. Yeah. Hmm. It's a na- it's an idea that I'm not sure I want my name associated with. So I may have to have a DBA <laughs> kind of thing happening. Um, nice. But it's going to be a million million dollar idea. 
Okay. Um, moving on to the listener feedback. We just had one this week, but it's got a lot of meat in it. So I, I thought we'd spend some time on that. We don't have a particular topic. We've got several good news stories. Uh, but this is, um, this is from a uh, fellow named Phil who has a series of rants as well as a couple of shout outs. And uh, I thought we'd, uh, break up his email, uh, along the way as we, uh, as we talk about some of the things he rants about says, hi guys, I've been listening to your shows for a couple years now, and I want to thank you for helping me get off to sleep at least once, uh, one night per month. Sometimes I do listen all the way through, usually just get to the part where you start talking about Linux. Seriously though, I do enjoy your podcast as it's more informative than some and less hysterical than others. I think okay. that was a compliment. Uh, so here's the meat. I've been playing around with various Linux distros for what must be 12 to 15 years now, and I've just finally made the complete switch from Windows. My favorite two distros are Ubuntu Studio 14.04, running smoothly on my 10-ish-year-old Dell Inspiron, um, and Ro- Robo Linux, running like Grease Lightning on a rebuilt uh, desk, uh, 3.1 gigahertz AMD. Uh, oddly, though, Ubuntu Studio, Ubuntu Studio will not run... Uh, on the much newer, faster desktop without freezing. Which brings up to me three complaints and one piece of well-deserved praise. Complaint the first. I have lost count of the number of distros I have downloaded uh, or bought on DV and CD CD, uh, and installed for testing over that time. It must be approaching three figures by now, including updated versions. Uh, Having been using computers since 1971, yes, really, when I started at IBM, they were still using punched cards on paper tape. Now, I know my way around hardware and software, although I'm by no means a programmer. I made a living for a number of years fixing PCs, and I did pretty well as a part-timer. So just telling you this for background. Anyway, my first complaint is that there are way too many versions of Linux. Some good people in the open source world are wasting uh, time forking this way and that instead of improving and developing what is already good. Fewer iterations of basically the same thing would allow significant progress to be made much faster, and Linux would stand a much better chance of widespread adoption in the mainstream. This is a topic we've talked about uh, a lot and just recently, the idea of, um, of, of... fragmentation in Linux. Uh, the neckbeards call it a, a feature. Uh, the rest of us call it a bug. Right, because you distri- you dilute the talent pool too much for any of the major ones to get that critical mass and break through. So me and Phil, we think alike on this, Phil. Got to give you props. So far, you sound like a brilliant man. <laughs> I'll second that. There's been... Um, I, I, I'm a little less... I don't know how, how you'd say it, but I'm a little less on the idea that it's breaking up the talent pool too much. I just wish there's, instead of having somebody take their ball and, you know, use it somewhere else because they want a different theme as default, um, that's just silly. Yeah. Like the Ubuntu clones. It's, it's the, it's the, the, the comment I've made many times before that the skill set that makes you an effective programmer and the skill set that makes you an effective teammate are in many ways mutually exclusive. So some of your yeah. best people can't work with other people. Um, and that's that's what happens. They take their dolly and go home, and then they make their own robo-dolly with laser eyes and and uh, <laughs> rocket skates. Uh, and, and that's cool, but you got this guy over here who's doing rocket eyes and laser skates. Um, and if they could just get together, 
and have the freaking lasers uh, together, it would be awesome. But so what you end up with is um, a series of Linux distributions that are almost there and none that is there. Right. And they're all yep. basically the same, just with a pretty UI or a yeah. different UI. I can't even I, say I pretty. Will- <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of them are not pretty. <laughs> Unless you're a gray beard, then maybe, I don't know. Um, but one thing, Phil, on your issues with having your thing freeze, I this has fixed so much for me. Before you blow that machine away and install whatever version of Linux on it, make sure you have the latest BIOS available from the motherboard maker. That makes tons of difference. Um in the in the Windows world, and also you know because there was some issue with that BIOS, and they did something to update it and make it more stable. So therefore, when when you install Linux on it, it has a more stable foundation to rest on. I highly recommend that to anyone who is going to install Linux on any machine. Before you do that, fire up that Windows one last time and check for a BIOS update. Then blow it away and install Linux. All right, there you go. Some yeah. some advice from the GUI kid. Uh, moving on back to his email complaint. The second, a significant number of distros fail to work when downloaded as an ISO and installed on a stick, or sometimes even from the magazine CDs. Wow. Magazine CDs? Wow. Uh, sometimes they forget to tell us that you need to use an obscure password to get in. Sometimes, uh, even more obscure, uh, the error message appears. And sometimes it works in the live version, but not when you install it, as in the case of Ubuntu Studio on my desktop. And sometimes, worst of all in some ways, it fools you into thinking it's working and then crashes without warning in the middle of something important. Distributors need to do more checking before sending out incomplete software. Uh, okay. Yes and no, Phil. I, I understand your point there, but in order to do that, you're asking for um, volunteers running at nonprofit organizations to buy every conceivable configuration of hardware and test it. And as much as I agree with you on the pain of that, I don't think that's realistic, um, a realistic expectation. Hardware is expensive, period. Right. Uh, The other thing is, is that, you know, if you're just getting your DVDs or CDs from a magazine, chances are they're not the newest version of that installer anyway. Because, like, for example, the Fedora distro just recently, um, not their newest one, but the version, the older, the one back version, it had a bug in its installer. And then if you downloaded the newer ISO from their f- system, you got the newer installer, so the bug was gone, so that didn't crash your install. Um, so maybe if you're pulling your discs from a magazine article, it might be better off to go to the source to get the most current version of that disc. Because those, that, those discs that are in those magazines could be three months out of date and you may have, you know, monster issues that have been already fixed. That's true. But it did also talk about downloading the ISO. So, yeah. uh, and, and to the point that I agree with you, Phil, that there's no reason that a live installation should work and a, a hard disk install shouldn't. And I've experienced that only a couple of times, but it does happen and there's no excuse for it, frankly. Um, right. I was going to say the only thing I've ever had a problem with those live discs like that is when um, the disc itself had an error. Now, what I run into is is like uh, I can fire up 
the the live version of something and my sound card and my network card and my Wi-Fi works, I install it and it doesn't. Uh, and it's just a yeah. difference in the install routine. Uh, the live version, you know, is grabbing its own t- browsers and testing and the install version isn't and it's expecting you to do that. Um, so, so what that tells you is, you know, it can work, but now you have to go make it work. Um, right. And that's, that's a problem. I agree from a consumer standpoint, it's a problem. Uh, but again, it's, it's one of those things that's really hard to fix because in a, in a live environment, you're creating sort of a virtual machine, not really, but kind of. So you, you have a little more control over, uh, the way things interact. And when you install it on the hardware, again, dealing with the BIOS and all that sort of stuff, you lose, you lose some of that control. So I get that why it doesn't work, but I don't think it's okay. Right. You know, a lot of times those, those, um, live drivers for your different parts are also, they're not really interfacing with your device directly. They're using one of those, uh, pseudo driver, not pseudo, um, they're fake drivers. Right. So that's the other reason. And it's just kind of a basic driver that doesn't gonna, that isn't gonna do all the extra bells and whistles. Yeah, so so Phil, I feel your pain, but I'm willing to give developers a pass on this one just because it's they don't have the 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 buckets of money that it takes to test everything on hardware, and they don't have a, a huge stream of beta testers. I mean, Microsoft, uh, starting with Windows Seven, has been uh, letting millions of people beta test their code. Before that, they let all their customers beta test their code, um, and and that's just that even they, the monolithic organization that they are, can't test on every hardware set. It'd be nice if we could, you know, if developers had that monster bucket of money to test everything. It would be awesome. Well, nice. You know, and again, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the strengths of Apple. They limit themselves to one hardware set. Right. And uh, consequently, everything written only has to work on one hardware set. So you have code that doesn't waste hundreds, if not thousands of lines, throwing in drivers for every possible combination. So you have a leaner, meaner install and they get more out of the same hardware than windows or even Linux does in a lot of cases, because every they write optimized code because that's the only code they have to write for. Whereas, you know, windows has to work on anything and Linux, we're mad because it only works on a few hundred thousand out of <laughs> right. a million uh, possible computations. So, you know, uh, yeah, I'm willing to give them some pass, but I do respect your rant here, Phil. You know, you would fit in well with us so far. <laughs> yeah, so far. All right. And moving on to complaint the third, the so-called Linux help forums. We've talked about that before. <laughs> I know nobody's being paid, all volunteers, etc. But really, if someone who is clearly a novice asks an innocent question, don't dump a load of code on him without any explanation. And don't assume that he knows what a VM is or how to change permissions on a file. Some forums are pretty good at this, but others are really bad. I, I agree. I've often said that one of the, the strongest points of Linux is the Linux community, and the single biggest weakness of Linux is the Linux community. It, it goes back to what I said. The skill set to be really good at Linux is not necessarily the same skill set to be really good at people. And I think this is one of those cases where historically this was 100% the case. And now 
This is still the case in some places, but it is not nearly so bad as it was. However, because that rep still hangs over it, the first little thing, oh my gosh, these people hate me, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, again, good rant, but I think that rant fits better in history than in the current world, but there is unfortunately still a place for it in the current world. Well, and let's move on with the rest of his email because he's arguing your point for you. Enough complaints already. Here's the praise, and it's for the support guys at RoboLinux, who are awesome. I'm not an American, so I don't use that word lightly. Um, they went way beyond the call of duty when answering my questions and when, and did so within minutes of my email. And for this reason, plus the fact that the OS runs like greased weasel snot, if you've ever seen a weasel blow his nose you know what i mean uh, <laughs> does uh, does what it says on the can uh all the best guys and keep up the good work uh so there you go there's there's one place there where he did it we had another email i can't remember i'm sorry the uh, i can't give you the proper credits but we had another guy saying that this forum was awesome and you know if the mint forums in my experience have been pretty awesome so it's you're right there's pockets of crap out there but there's also pockets of awesomeness and i'm using the word awesome as awesome much as i can because he called me out on it <laughs> Yeah, I've I've been a big fan of the Linux Mint forums. The uh, Peppermint team is actually a really good forum too. They don't just dump a, a forum post with copy paste commands. They actually explain what each command does. Yeah. So, um, and in a, a really well, it's all about the moderators, really. And the really yeah. well moderated forums. The moderators, the moderators take care of those jerks, right? Somebody leaves a jerk RTFM post, um, then uh. The moderator has to will step in. They don't. the The end user doesn't have to feel like he's been dumped on. Yeah. The moderator will jump in and say, "Look, that's not appropriate. Um, let's let's help here." Um, this answer, this question has been answered before. Did you read the the frequently asked questions first? Now, uh, a lot, that's a lot of what gets people mad is asking the question that's been asked. Um, mm-hmm. And if you ever go to an IRC chat room, and I know that that modality of support is dying, uh, but if you go to an IRC char- chat room, don't ask to ask a question. You will get chewed out if you ask to ask a question. Just ask yeah. the question. Um, because, again, those are the, the uber elite people there um, sitting uh, in that chat room, and they have been asked these questions a thousand times. And you're don't forget that you're encroaching on somebody else's time, right? When you when you make a request or a complaint, you are saying to somebody else, my time for this moment is more important than yours. And when you go into a forum, you're saying that to maybe 100 people. So you got to understand from that point of view. It's, it's uh, in my, my line of thinking, it's a, really a, like a phone call, right? When you send, When you call somebody, you're telling them, that what you need to ask them or tell them is more important than what they're doing right now. You expect them to stop it and pick up the phone. Now it's, you know, it's the, it's been such a thing in our culture, at least in American culture for so long, we don't think about it that way, but that's what it is. Any synchronous mode of communication like that is demanding somebody else pay your, uh, pay attention to you and and demanding that their, your time is more important than theirs. And I've been in IRC chat rooms. I've been in our chat room uh, for the show. When somebody comes in, asks a question and nobody could get to them right away. And they leave in a huff, usually insulting as they go. You know, that's not helpful. And so think about when you post a question and get um, shouted down, think about the 753 people in the last two days who've asked that same question in that same way. So I'm willing to cut the, the neck beard some slack on that. But again, I see your point. 
that as a consumer, that's the face of, of Robo Linux. And if the face of Robo Linux is snarling and angry, you're not going to care much about the distribution. Right. But in this case, it's not. They're good people. So, great. Oh, yeah, I think try. a lot could be if people could just learn social media and forums and chat and IRC are all forms of social media. If you could just learn some social media etiquette. One, has this question been asked in the last two minutes? If yes, don't ask the question again. Is this thread about hopping bunnies? Then maybe I shouldn't ask a dog question here. <laughs> has no one been on this thread for two years? Maybe I shouldn't jump in and continue this thread. Maybe I should start a new thread. It's basic social media etiquette that nobody, and I mean nobody, learns. I, you know, part well, of my job. You forgot one, Seth. Have I spent at least five minutes trying to find the answer on my own before asking the question? Yeah. Yeah. Let me Google that for you.com should be everybody's first response. Um, but yeah, no, you know, a lot of my job is looking, you know, I do support. And so I come across issues. If I have to go looking for it, it's not a common issue. So I go looking and I'm in this thread and I'm reading to find the answer. And all of a sudden it switches from an issue about Microsoft Word to Google Chrome. And then four posts later, it's over about Linux Mint. And I'm like, what the bleep is going on here? You know, I, let me read a thread about one particular thing. And if you need help, be smart enough to not jump in and say, don't even start it off. I know this doesn't belong here, but exactly. you make me want to shoot you. It's like, I know you shouldn't die right now, but <laughs> bang, you know. Um, so anyway, that's those are some of my pet peeves. If, if, yeah, exactly. If you're saying this may not be the right forum, just stop and go yep. find the right forum. Exactly. Or I know this has been asked before, but stop. Just stop right there. It's been asked and answered, or it's been asked and not answered. Um, and there might be a reason why it wasn't answered. Right. Now, it, here, here's the way to post a, a forum post like that. Hey, guys. Um, relatively new here. Uh, I've looked around the site. I've seen people ask a question similar to this before, but their answer, their question and their answer wasn't quite the same as mine. If I'm in the wrong place, please feel free to direct me to the right place. But here's the issue that I'm having. So what you've just been there, you've been polite. You've shown them that you have done some homework. You've shown them that you're aware that you may actually be in the wrong place, but you're not sure and you're asking for help. That, that little sentence right there will get you a lot more, uh, uh, you know, politeness than, than saying, you know, just, Hey, I demand to have my problem fixed immediately for free. Right. Yeah. Well, or that, that, I, that goes along the line that goes back to the simple thing that my mom would tell me you get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. Right. It's a good, it's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Or, you know, by the same token, I know this was the issue in version 10, but we're on version 14. Now, does it still apply? You know, hey, okay, too. and then somebody can say, "Yep," and you go, "Cool, thanks." So, yeah. Um, and sometimes the answer is just we don't know. It's it's a known bug, um, yep. and I, that's okay. It's, Doesn't yeah. bother me. I mean, I don't like it, right? Um, that the software that that I work with um, uh, on a regular basis at work has some known issues, and you know, and that's a commercial software. 
uh, and you when you go to find help with it, you find out that oh, this has been a known issue for a while. Um, there's no there's no indicated res- idea of when it's going to be fixed if it's going to be fixed, and that's a commercial software. So if if I cut them some slack for that, or if I put up with that, th- then I have to allow the Linux guys, the open source guys, the same benefit of the doubt. Some bugs aren't aren't going to be squashed. Period. Yeah, it's just just the way the world. It's just the way the world works. So some bugs are not fixable with our current technology or or fixing it breaks something else and it's like you know an acne cure that kills the patient uh i'd rather just have zits i'm okay with that um and sometimes that's the case or sometimes it's uh you know uh investing thousands of man hours into a problem that cost uh uh, tens of man minutes um Mm -hmm. and it's just not worth the effort all right. So thank you, Phil, for your comments. He also says he has his own podcast. It's about bees, using your um, uh, analogy there, Chris. It's at biobees.libsyn.com. So uh, check it out if you're interested in bees and interested in Phil. There you go. Uh, now, moving on to following up on older stuff, uh, are there roses to be found in Munich? Munich, the city that uh, that threw out Microsoft and then brought them back. Um, uh, there may be some, some more news to that story. Well, yeah, you know, because the mayor who was elected shortly after that has been all over the place saying basically how much he doesn't like Linux and how much he loves windows and how much he loves Microsoft. And he's a Microsoft fanboy. And he points out every possible flaw, whether real or perceived in the it department. And basically the, um, there was kind of an open letter from the Munich city staff, um, said that, you know, look, we have 20% fewer staff than we need. How about you shut up a little bit? Um, and that, that's kind of the gist of the letter. And, uh, you know, we just, we've talked about Munich a lot. It's held up a lot in open source and Linux world as see, they switched to open source, uh, and, uh, look at how much money they saved and, you know, and yes, they've saved a lot of money, but it's not perfect. There are issues just like there are issues with windows. There's issues with any software. And so, yeah, um, Anyway, that was just all I wanted to say is that so hopefully he'll be quiet now and they can kind of address what's going on without having the mayor stir up a hornet's nest whenever part of the problem is they're overworked and under budget, the hallmark of any government IT facility, <laughs> except apparently the NSA. Well, that's because the NSA has unlimited government funds, right? Well, pretty much. Not unlimited, uh, but... Uh you know. Well, but it could be considered. I think it's one of those things that's classed as unlimited yeah. with the big. Air when you quotes. can print your own money, you could pretty well <laughs> call that unlimited. See, yeah. Um, and okay, next one: uh, the uh, Google, uh, Yahoo, Apple uh, suit about poaching other uh, employees has settled, but I'm not sure anybody really wins. Yes, because the four companies had previously agreed. To pay three hundred twenty-five million to settle the case, but back in August, uh, Lucy, I believe it's Co K O H, uh, yeah, the federal Co. judge, she rejected that settlement. So all they had to do was throw in an extra ninety mil to put it up to four hundred fifteen million, and now um, apparently they've accepted that. And the sad part is, it works out to um, you know basically sixty-five hundred dollars for each worker. So. 
one tenth or less of what they would have made at the higher salaries had the poaching um, never or had the anti-poaching um, gentlemen's agreement never been entered into in the first place. So here the little guys won, but really nobody won. The uh, the big companies won because of how much they had to pay in fines was much less than the salaries they'd be having to they would have had to pay over. Yeah. So years. if you don't remember what this was, uh, 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 Apple and, and Google and Adobe and a couple of other companies sort of had to, like Seth called it a gentleman's agreement. I won't hire anybody working for your company if you won't hire anybody working for my company. Um, and it, which it, you can understand, right? Which it's illegal. Um, right. But the idea there is that uh, right. you I know, if you can understand it, if I'm working for Google um, and I want to raise, uh, and I'm willing to go to Apple to get that raise, Apple is not allowed to hire me. Um, and that's, that's anti-competitive and illegal in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. so and you're talking about people making, um, you know, six figure salaries or close to it, most likely anyway. Cause those are the kind of people that you're, you're worried about poaching. You're not worried about poaching the, the $7 an hour line worker. Uh, you're worried about poaching the high end, uh, um, you know, programmer, designer, engineer, whatever. So right. these guys, you know, I'm working for Google. I'm feeling underappreciated. I'm going to take my ball and go to Apple. Um, Apple finds a reason not to want to hire you. Um, and, you know, th- this came out a couple, two years ago, I think now, a while back. Uh, and Something it like went around ar- and around. And basically it was a class action lawsuit. Everybody who feels they've been discriminated against in hiring gets roughly an eighth of their salary. Um, yay. Yeah, whoopee ding dong. And no real government teeth to it, and no reason to think that the thing, the the activity isn't still going on. Yeah, just now they all meet in person in a heavily shielded room and with no sm- <laughs> with no recording devices allowed and say, hey guys, remember that thing before we're still doing it, but if anybody writes anything down, we will kill you. <laughs> kill you. So essentially, the the way this came out is a guy was hired for at Apple from Google, and then the guy who did the hiring got fired. Said you're not allowed to do that, and he then you know blew the whistle, so to speak. But anyway, yeah, it's it's just another case that you you can't win against billionaires. There's no winning, right? Yeah, and that's the thing, you know. Ooh, four hundred, and the sad part is this is not even quarterly um, profit. For it, well, maybe for Adobe, but for Apple or Google, that wouldn't even be quarterly profit. You know, that's maybe what one month's profit possibly because they make wads of cash. Yeah. And so when you, when you look about winners, how about winners in the cloud computing? You've got Amazon's Azure and Microsoft's, uh, excuse me, Microsoft's Azure and Amazon's EC3, right? Right. And then, um, you EC2. know, there's also, OpenStack and Google has one and all of that, but it seems to be shaping up to be a two horse race between Microsoft and Amazon. And you know, the one of these days I'm going to get smart and I'm going to put the percentages and stuff I want to talk about in the actual show notes rather than just leaving them in there. But yeah, Google, which had been, um, trending up 
in, in the cloud race has all of a sudden kind of fallen off a cliff and everybody loves to talk about OpenStack, but it's kind of hard to find people actually using it in the wild. Um, so, and of course this is over at, uh, fool.com, which is the Motley Fool. And their whole thing is at the bottom. They give you a teaser for some story to cause you to want to sign up on their site. But yeah, so it seems to be the big cloud, the big cloud players are Microsoft and Amazon and Google and OpenStack. And, you know, uh, Ubuntu has a cloud service as well. They kind of just seem to be, uh, out there. And what makes so. that relevant is Microsoft is doing what they always do. They're late to the party and then they catch up quickly. Uh, yeah. Azure is relatively new on the market. Uh, uh, Amazon Cloud, uh, uh, Elastic Cloud Computing, EC2, has been around for a while. Um, in fact, our, our sponsor, Linux Academy, uses their platform. Uh, Azure is relatively new, but you know when you've got trillions to throw at something, you can make it good. And so that's what Microsoft does. They wait. That, that random analogy here. Um, I used to own a Dalmatian. And, and so I learned a lot about Dalmatians. Dalmatians were bred in Greece to run ahead of the chariots. Um, and so that's why they bark a lot. They're loud and they like to run. But they were very popular in the 20s in the U.S. Uh, for uh, sirens for fire trucks, right? Running ahead. And so you'd have this um, a pack of dogs running ahead because they don't ever run behind or run with. They run ahead. But what happens is sometimes the fire truck makes a right and the dogs make a left. And then suddenly one of them looks back and says, oh, guys, we're going the wrong way. And then they run up and catch up and run ahead again. That's Microsoft. Microsoft is a pack of Dalmatians. Amazon is doing something. They've turned left and they're running out ahead. Amazon goes, oh, wait, we got to catch up. They run and catch up and make a lot of noise about it. And then they're ahead again. They did that. I mean, they've done that all over the place, right? The, uh, the first example uh, would be Windows itself. Right, Apple had the first um, uh, consumer GUI interface, and then the browser market, i.e., was nothing. And then they they trounced the competition, and now Amazon Cloud Computing is the latest one, or, or rather, Cloud Computing is the latest one, where they're they're using their market dominance to dominate. And well, and you job. know, well, in Microsoft, you know, yes, they make a lot of money off consumers, but they they've kind of always focused to corporations. And so if a business is doing something, they want to be doing that. Businesses went to tablets. All of a sudden, Microsoft comes out with the Surface, which is a darn good tablet. Uh, you know, if you have the money for it, it's pretty good. Um, you know, businesses wanted to go online with the browsers. And so Microsoft went, what's a browser? Oh, let's license that. And then we can't, nobody wants our crap. I know we'll give it away for free. Um, <laughs> We, we've done that a lot. Office, you know, WordPerfect was the bomb.com to end everything in office for all time in eternity. And they got front runners disease and Microsoft kept innovating, kept innovating. Then they got parody. Then they blew it out of the water. You know, the, yeah, the operating system, you know, don't forget about OS2 warp. That yeah. was a darn fine OS in its day that Microsoft killed and even DOS. You know, Microsoft's DOS kind of came out of the pack as well. So they do a good job of seeing what businesses want and then innovate the heck out of it. So whenever they've tried to look ahead, they don't, they don't seem to pick the right direction. But when they figure out what won, they tend to take it and make it their own. 
All right, moving on to uh, some uh, trendy sort of news thing. Uh, the uh, Charlie Hebdo, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go a lot into that, but basically a French satire magazine posted something that a few people didn't like, so they shot some people. Uh, and the hacker group Anonymous didn't like that idea very much. Yeah, so basically they said, hey, you know, we'll retaliate but not with guns. And so what they did was they started shutting down, um, and they were, they even kind of put out, look, we're not going after just the, you know, just any Muslim site. It's the ones that are promoting jihad and armed, um, armed retaliation. You know, if you're just um, a Muslim site saying, Hey, we're Muslim, we're proud, whatever, um, they would kind of leave you alone, but they went after and took down a lot of jihadist sites, at least in the short term. Um, again, this story now is, uh, it's been out for a few days. Um, so I don't, I'm sure they're probably back up, but yeah. So, you know, they were striking back because, you know, they believe that freedom of speech is super important and they, they took their beliefs to heart and they fought back in their medium. So, and then a single fellow or, or at least a single entity known as the, as Jester has been doing that himself for a while now. So, uh, anonymous has nothing on him. Yeah. He actually had retired. He had kind of put out his thing that said, you know, I'm over and I'm kind of done with this. And, um, Apparently he was kind of, he had at least some back doors, or at least so he claimed he had back doors into American intelligence. And when he would hack the Islamic extremist websites, he would kind of funnel that information to his contacts and the American intelligence community. But yeah, after the Charlie Hebdo, he came back out of retirement and went back at the, um, the Islamic extremist website. So, you know, again, these are people who are fighting back, not with guns, but in their medium, he's striking a blow for freedom of speech. Very interesting. What do you guys uh, think of uh, anonymous as a general hacktivism? Is that you guys? I, I cannot, them? I cannot support uh, vigilanteism in any form, plain and simple. Even Batman. Sorry. But it's Batman. wow. I mean, when you attack Batman, Mark, we might have issues. No, I um, I admire their skill, and I, I I wish I had their skill. I said, having never taken the time to develop that skill myself, but um, you know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. In this particular case, I like it, but in a lot of cases, I don't. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. And, and again, it's, it's not that I'm, I mean, they could probably hack me and expose me without having to break a sweat. So, but it's not out of fear of them. It's, I, I don't know. I, like I say, sometimes, um, there is a quote and I wish I could remember it exactly, but, um, it's something that they're along the lines of when you can rest in peace when evil men threaten you because, uh, and uh, never mind. I'm going to see if I can find it while y'all talk. Because they're stand stand rough men ready to do harm. Something to that effect. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, rough men ready to do harm on your behalf. I think is the way it goes. Now, you know, my my blanket statement about vigilanteism. Let's let's take it out of the cyber in, uh, arena. If I'm at a bus stop and I see a guy raping a woman, I'm going to intervene. At that point, I'm a vigilante. 
I'm going to pull the guy off and I'm probably going to do some harm to him. I also expect to go to jail for that. That's that's the thing. You you when you are engaging in vigilante activity, you are breaking the law and you should suffer the penalties of that law. And so anonymous when they break the law, I'm I'm not upset if they get arrested. Don't don't bring me down anonymous, please. Um it wouldn't take much. It would take a, you know, a 9-year-old with a pop gun to take down elementop.com. Um but the the point is, you know, I can't support what they do without um you know saying that it's okay for them to do it and anonymous has been you know in this case they're doing something that that more people agree with than don't agree with that doesn't right. make it right uh agreement doesn't make right exactly i, I just was curious to see what you guys' thoughts were because i'm on the same fence that seth is it's one of those things I, i'm appreciated for the skill level they have and when they are on this when i when they do things that i agree with I agree with the process, but when they turn their sights on sites that, you know, that I don't agree with them attacking, then I don't like them. So it's it's one of those things. It's 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 a thin line between okay and not okay. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not lose sight of the fact that just a generation ago, most Americans thought it was okay to treat a black person as an animal. They weren't human; they were animals. Right. Uh, maybe two generations ago, but certainly uh, you don't have to go any farther back than that. Um, but just because a lot of people thought it was okay doesn't make it right. And yeah, so, and ahead, here's so. that quote: um, "People sleep peacefully in their beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf." So you know, and of course that being because people are wanting you can sleep peacefully because you know that anybody who's trying to do violence to you, somebody's standing there to intercept them. So, and in the case and, of say a standing militia or military. I agree with that sentiment. Right. Anonymous is neither of those. You know, th- this would be an interesting article that you could make a case that anonymous is the militia for the cyber world. But they're not duly authorized by anybody. That's the difference. Every militia, even, you know, even the posse that went after Jesse James was right. duly authorized by somebody with the authority to do it. There is nobody on the internet with the authority to take down other sites. It's illegal in all countries. Well, yeah, because nobody, nobody, so it's the internet rising up to defend itself. Again, I don't really know that I agree with that, but there's some of that sentiment behind it. So, well, you know, I brought the question. I just said, uh, we may, we may not get any more news tonight because we're going to go down this rabbit hole. I just said that it's illegal to take down a site in all countries unless you're the FBI or the NSA and you can just go rip the servers out of the wall. Right. Um, which is exactly the same thing, but at that point they're duly authorized, and and you know that well, does that make it okay? I it sanitizes the process. <laughs> Microsoft has done it before, um, you yep. know, yeah, and it was it was quasi legal when they did it. They super overstepped their authority, but yeah, that's the thing. The problem is how many countries in the world are there? Uh, let's say there's 165. That number's kind of close. So with there being, and for the purpose of this discussion, 165 countries, there's probably 300 different governing bodies who pass laws about the right. internet. So there's, you know, it's, it, there's an old joke in Christian circles. It's like, if you get three Baptists together, you have five opinions. So it's kind of the same way with governing bodies of the internet. The more people we get, uh, the number of, 
issuing bodies like multiplies. So yeah, I mean, there has to be some way to fight back, I guess. I don't know. But so, and you, you can't even use the freedom of speech argument here. Um, you right. can't argue freedom of speech for Charlie Hebdo. You can't uh, use freedom of speech, uh, for the jihadist because freedom of speech is an American legal right that prevents a standing government from interfering with one of the citizens of our country. Um, and it's one of the most misused things. It's, it's like, it's like poorly quoted scripture. It is misused all over the world that people have a right to free speech. Well, they do in one country, and that right only has to do with uh, the government abridging their speech. Now, I'm not saying other countries don't have similar laws, but there is no right to free speech where Chris and I are concerned. He doesn't have the right to, to speak to me, and I don't have the right to speak to him. He also doesn't have to write, have the right to deck me in the jaw for saying something he doesn't agree with. Um <laughs> And so, you know, these, I really think, oh gosh, I'm going super political. I'm sorry. But I, there's, there's been court cases in the U.S. certainly about, you know, we've, de- we've now defined stripping on a pole at the pink pony in Atlanta as, uh, as speech. And, and really? it can't be illegal because it's free speech. Um, you know, uh, yes. I mean, naked dancing is a, is, has been defended more than one time under the freedom of expression con, uh, construct. Um, and that's why that's why local police aren't allowed to go in there and shut them down, even though all the neighbors want. I'm not calling out the Pink Pony. That's just the only place I know in Atlanta, uh, that, uh, and only because I pass by it on the way to some of my clients. Yeah, how well do you know that, Mark? Uh, I know there's a big pony and it's pink on the on the, it's like a a light up sign. Uh-huh. So anyway, um, I, I, it may not even be a strip club. It says gentlemen's club. Maybe they just sit around and sniff brandy and, and smoke cigars. I kind of doubt that, but it's possible. Uh, so anyway, the point is it, this thing has been so tortured that it's now become a global um, rallying cry. And people will say that, you know, uh, Charlie Hebdo has the right to free speech and you can't shoot people. Well, you can't shoot people. Let's leave the free speech thing out of it. You can't go to a magazine and shoot people. That's illegal in pretty much every country as far as I know. Um, And anonymous, you can't bring down websites. That's illegal in pretty much every country. It doesn't have anything to do with free speech. It has to do with whether or not the action you're taking is legal in the place you're taking that action. Yeah, you know, there's also, you know, you talk about freedom of speech, censorship has been humongous. Right. Like, you know, yep. um, if Facebook decides that what you did was wrong and they pull your thing, then all of a sudden they violated you and, you know, they've censored and anti-censorship is apparently a right, even though it's not, but that's their site that they own and they control. They can put, they can allow whatever they want to stand on it. And and that little need, box you check that said, I have read and agree says that you will let them do that. Yep. Right. Pretty much. And, you know, and we could go off on the whole, um, have y'all seen that stupid thing on Facebook making the rounds for like this is the fifth or sixth time you has a right such to, and such yeah. date I take authority over and blah 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 and I'm just like first of all nobody has to click to agree to that and second of all that's the exact opposite I got so tired I gave up on all of my friends posting that I, I would try to say uh you realize this is a hoax right and you might as well, I might as well have said Jesus didn't exist because of some of the, some of the feedback I got with um, the same fervor, right? Right. R- more, I mean, more, you know, the right to, 
you own your Facebook is more important than where you spend your eternity. Apparently, some people think so. So anyway, See, okay. I, now I that see- we've got politics and religion. <laughs> We're almost at the trifecta. What else do we need to hit to hit the three the three no subjects? <laughs> yeah, so this is definitely the Linux show that's not about Linux today. So let's continue that and talk about tablets. Some guys who used to work for Google think maybe you should want to take a tablet into the the office. Meh. Yeah, well, you know, tablets are awesome toys. They really are. But what if you wanted to get some work done on one? And that's the premise behind... Um, if you want to get Jive some work done on a tablet, you hook it up to a network and put a keyboard on it and call it a laptop. That's yep. the only way to get work done on a tablet. I think so. A piece of glass just doesn't do anything when you're typing a bunch of stuff. And the yes, swipe but- isn't good enough either. I've had this yes. argument with three or four different managers, so yes. <laughs> Go ahead, Seth. No, I was going to say, Jide um, has created an Android Remix um, Ultra tablet that is it kind of resembles the um, Microsoft. What, what is theirs called again? The Surface. 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 Yeah. So it's kind of going to be like the Surface, which I will but, remind you used to be the big freaking table, right? Yeah, They've totally yes. rebranded that now into a, a laptop that's not a laptop. But that, let's not forget kickstand. the big table. All right. Go right. Ahead. But no. Th- so they're looking to bring this to market sometime uh, this spring. And it will be about $450. So I don't really know if it's going to be, um, I don't know if it's going to, it's, it's probably not going to be anything big in, in terms of number of units sold. But, you know, luckily it does, it will bring some a- additional choice to the tablet category, something that has been sorely lacking at this point. All right. I, I'm over tablets. I, in fact, I was never really under them, um, but I'm over them now. <laughs> Um, so, uh, new feature, you can now get, uh, USB chargers complete with your own key loggers, free malware built right in. No extra nice. charge. I like, yeah. This. Um, you know, this, the main reason I wanted to talk about this is just, and yet another way for us to talk about third party peripherals for any electronic device you have. Um, the key swiper, um, Anyway, you can, it can be a key logger that can install and, um, hook up. Anyway, so yeah, you can buy, and it's a functioning USB charger that while bigger than like a charger that you would get with say an, um, an iPad or some Android tablet, it's not really that big. And I have, uh, USB chargers that are this big that maybe I need to take apart and make sure they don't have a keylogger installed. But a generation or two ago, this is how big USB chargers were. So it has a little red light and you would not know what it was. Well, so again, this somebody at an airport could plug this in at an well, outlet and, is, and just leave it there and see what they get. On um, the, uh, I just thought it was kind of, it's one of those keyboards. cool, but at the so same time, a it, little it's scary. It's not just everything. So. It's, so don't everyone put, take your tinfoil hat off and put on your visors because this isn't everything. It's just um, right anything that uses the Microsoft keyboard protocols. So the funny thing was, is when I was reading this article and I read it, I was reading it before it was in our notes, which makes it even better. Uh, it was uh, one of those things where I noticed that they were talking about how the model numbers in the in the 
years that they were de- sent out were like of this year. So th- this is an, an old issue that is still around because Microsoft hasn't changed the encryption standard that are on these keyboards. Right, but here at the bottom, there's keyboards from multiple manufacturers are affected by this device. Where Microsoft keyboards are concerned, customers using our Bluetooth enabled keyboards are protected right. from this type of attack. It's, um, so right. yeah, so it's multiple using... wireless keyboards are affected. Um, not right. just Microsoft, even though he's only touted for the Microsoft things. But again, if, if it's out here for, So yeah, if it's out right, there I'm for sure. Microsoft would, keyboards, would, maybe there is another version just <laughs> is not being talked about for some other keyboards. Anyway, I, I just thought that, it was a neat story was about and I wanted to I, bring it out. What because, I just got from this article and what I was reading is that it was more along the ones yeah, that are using the RF protocol. So you have how many of those laptop or how many of those keyboards out there, like the Logitech ones with the unifying device, that's RF. That is not Bluetooth. So those would be, those could be susceptible to this particular, um, I can't say hack, but this mm-hmm. sniffing. Yep. I guess would be a good thought on this one. It's, you're sniffing the, you're sniffing the packets out of the air. So, but it's very interesting to see, um, how I wonder how, how many more things like this will show up. Um, especially from places like hack five where they do the Wi-Fi pineapple and, and all the fun things they do with that. So this is one of those things where I'm looking at it going, this should be very entertaining to read about for the next couple of days, at least the next couple of months. (laughs) All right. So let's see. So that's about all I want to say about it. I like to say it was just so cool. So Jimmy and Kimmel shows us how easy it is to get passwords. This should be a good one. Yes, this is um there's a video on here and he does um social engineering basically. Um and again, I, I just want to stress to people that there is video on this. So you'll be, you'll realize when you click on it, but you know, in this, they go out and, you know, and he talks about how the most common password in America is password one, two, three. And then he, um, he goes out with the camera and asks somebody what their password is. And there's like, Oh, I'm not going to tell you my password, you know, but, um, it's like, um, uh, you know, but it's like, it's, uh, you know, my dog's name and the year I was born. And so, you know, Hey, where did you go to school? When did you graduate? Wow. So were you born in whatever? And they say, no, I was born in this year. And, you know, and what's your dog's name? And so just, they told them what their password contained. And then just in the course of a conversation, they worked in those questions and then poof, you had that person's password. So, you know, 
password mm-hmm. haystacking, password management devices, anything like that would, you know, really, there's no reason not to, you know, dog one, two, three should be nobody's password. <laughs> it just goes to show password that the with the, the um, at sign instead of an a, a password. That's not really so security. If Jimmy Kimmel can, can social engineer a password out of somebody, man, you know, everybody can, it's not that hard of a thing to do. Um, so remember yeah. when you get those weird phone calls asking you some weird stuff. It don't put your information on Facebook because that's a public venue that can be looked up. Uh, just a very interesting thing. And I would definitely, anybody, I was going to say, the only thing I would say is definitely go watch that video. Well, yeah. Because and really a lot of like makes you realize, wait a minute, how much of that stuff have I already been putting out there? Go ahead. Right. And a lot of the quizzes that are out mm-hmm. there. And of course, there were a few years ago, quizzes were all the rage on Facebook. You know, find out which NCIS character you are or which Disney princess are you, which, which dwarf. And you, when you go through and you, you take those, like I took some of the quizzes just to see. And it was a, like, say there's 10 questions. Five questions are about the show or whatever. And then the other five. Are about mining inform or about data mining information from you. You know, where did you go to high school? Things like that. So some of the questions apply, but then, and so if you just take one of those quizzes, it's no big deal. But if you start to take a lot of them, then your, that information gets out there. And again, maybe from no one, but from more and more of them, someone can get an idea because if some, it, what's your favorite pet's name? Well, that's going to be the password for a lot of people. You know, what year did you graduate high school? Well, that tells somebody in most cases what year you were born. And the year you were born, a lot of times is a portion of people's passwords. So uh, things like that, social engineering is a lot better than brute force, you know, uh, hacking of trying to break into passwords. But I can assure you, Without a doubt, that uh, the safe tests online that you can take are over at our friends at linuxacademy.com. Sorry, I had to figure out a way to work them in there. Um, uh, <laughs> it was weak, but it's all I got. Uh, the reason Chris and Seth were bantering back and forth, by the way, I had we had pee. it so well I covered. Wait. I tried to wait. Known. So I, I had to go. So I don't know wall. what you guys just talked about, but I'm sure it was very interesting. Now, on Whatever. to our sponsor, <laughs> linuxacademy.com. I'm all about transparency. The fourth wall. Yeah. I'm all about transparency. I'm all, I'm all about being honest. Uh, and so, yeah, that was, uh, whew, I feel better now. Um, I ran upstairs and told my wife, gotta pay, and then ran in and then ran back down, uh, as quickly as I could. <laughs> I usually, anyway, uh, Linux Academy, there you go. There's the intro to Linux Academy that you want, uh, human urination. Um, <laughs> they don't have any courses on that. What they do have Not is yet. courses on everything. <laughs> they are adding courses all the time. Uh, what they do have are courses on just about anything you could want to do that would teach you how to be a Linux administrator. Their goal, their stated goal, is to take you from being a beginner to a Linux administrator uh, with, you know, prep you for certification. But they've really gone beyond just Linux now. They have uh, web development courses. They have uh, hardware courses. They have, you know, they're just growing all the time. Anytime somebody says, hey, 
this might be a cool thing to do, they take a hard look at it. And sometimes they do. And, you know, it's one of the things we've talked about a lot is their, their, uh, feedback, um, or their, their listening to feedback. And, uh, and a lot of the stuff that's out there now has been suggested by, by listeners or by users, uh, of the service. So linuxacademy.com provides you step-by-step video courses designed to take you from being a beginner to an administrator. Uh, and along with those video courses are the PDF study guides, uh, all wrapped up in this neat lesson browser that lets you pick a la carte. I want to do this one. I want to do this one. I do that one. And before long, you've actually learned something and you didn't know it. And the, the lesson browser uh, will track all that and tell you what you've done. They've also got the online quizzes that are 100% safe. They're not trying to get your password, I promise. Um, and but what I think the real killer feature there is their lab service. They give you up to four machines uh, all at once that you virtual machines running on Amazon's cloud service. So they're lightning fast uh, and you can experiment. You can watch this video. You can look at the, the, the study guide and then you can go do it. So they cover all the major ways of learning, the, the seeing, the reading, the doing. Um, and then the, then the telling what you did by using the, uh, the, the quizzes and the, the forums that they have there to interact with other people. So all it's, it's, it's good for all learning styles and the, and the, the content has been independently certified as high quality content and it's just great stuff. And we've been telling you, uh, for a while that, uh, you know, that, that's some of the least expensive learning on the internet. And that's true. Um, still the most you can pay per month is $25 a month for all of this great stuff. However, as I told you was coming also, they've begun to raise their prices. So I have some bad news for you. It's still $25 a month. And Anthony assures me that that's their target. That's the way they want to stay for a while. But they've cut back on some of the discounts for buying in bulk. Used to, you could buy a, a quarterly package, three months, for $60. Now they're really sticking it to you, and it's $65. So it's uh you know seventy five cents or something like that no a little more than that buck seventy five uh, per month that they've gone up so still it's amazing uh, amazingly inexpensive for a year if you want to buy in bulk it used to be a hundred ninety nine dollars which breaks breaks down to like sixteen point yeah. eight uh, dollars a month now they've jacked up that price to a whopping two hundred and fifteen dollars. Which is just under eighteen dollars a month, seventeen dollars and ninety nine cents, I think it is. So just under fifty nine cents a day. So less yeah. than fifty nine cents a day, you can get some high quality Linux learning going on. Yeah. So yes, they've raised their prices, but come on, people, this is not even an inflationary Uh-oh. rise in prices. Twenty five dollars a month, sixty five dollars a quarter, two hundred and fifty uh, fifteen dollars annually. But but there's a there's a new thing. The new thing is if you're an, a, a Linux, an everyday Linux listener, we've been telling you, use the code everyday Linux when you sign up, let them know we sent you. Well, now there's more than just a warm feeling of letting them know um, that uh, we sent you. If you subscribe, uh, if you go to everyday Linux, uh, linuxacademy.com slash everyday Linux, you get a special price. And currently that special price is the old price. So price rates at this point don't count. If you use this link, very cool. Linuxacademy.com slash everyday Linux, you get the old right $25 a month, $60 a quarter, or $199 a year. Awesome sauce. They recognize that you guys are, are the heart and soul of their business. They recognize that, <laughs> that this audience has been their audience from the beginning and they don't want to gig you, uh, with the, the really monstrous $15 a year <laughs> increase in price. So the, I'm not sure what's going to go forward, but what I'm going to lobby for cool. is that those prices stay static 
for everyday Linux listeners going forward. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't run Anthony's company, but that's what I've asked him for. Uh, well, so- and I, I will just throw out there that the price I pay is the same price as when I first joined. So he hasn't raised my rates yet. I'm still at the price. That's true. I he, he told me when it. we were talking about this. Yeah. I'm sorry, Seth. He told me when we were talking about this that he t- intends to continue grandfathering in people at whatever they signed up at. So now's your time. If you're on the fence, um, prices are rising. <laughs> they're not yeah. rising very and much. I, we're kind of making fun of it uh, because they're just. It's so high quality that these prices are literally laughable. You know, it'd be uh, twenty five dollars a month for this kind of of, yeah. of quality education. Mark, it'd be kind of cool. Is, to get him back is on the a line and have him do a quick little interview and and to get that down to eighteen dollars a month. I think that'd be a good. Interview. Just go do it. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, he has asked to do that. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to avoid the appearance of being, you know, of nepotism, of right. of, of right. being sponsored content. So I would like to have Anthony or one of his developers back, but it's got to be a show topic that isn't Linux Academy. Um, and so, and again, and they, they are certainly experts in a number of fields and we can do that. This is me. I'm the reason that hasn't happened already. Uh, they want to do it. I've just been trying to look for the right hook because I, I, you know, I want to keep this show as pure as possible. We believe in this product. So we sell this product, but I'm, I'm not willing to even for a moment be a shill for their product. So one of these guys associated with the company can come on and talk about something else. That'd be awesome. And that's what we're looking at doing. So there you go. That's uh, that's our news. That's our <laughs> listener feedback, and that's our ad. Uh, so uh, that was where we would bring up to the topic, if we had one. So we're going to skip right over that. And I'm going to ask Seth, what happened this week in computer history? Okay, um, this is kind of cool. Uh, January the fifteenth, two thousand and one. Wikipedia, a free wiki content encyclopedia, goes online. So that happened yeah, in two thousand one. Turn so it's only how old we are. it's only fourteen years old. It feels to me like it's been around forever. I know. I mean, my my daughter, my daughter was born in two thousand two, so Wikipedia is a year older than my daughter. Um, but it just feels to me like it's so ingrained in the <laughs> culture, like Google. <laughs> I'm not sure pile. when Google came came around, but I do remember that there was a life without Google. Um, I, I wouldn't want to. It was called there. Alta Vista. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Or, or, yeah. yes, um, yeah. You could tell back then. You could tell about somebody's um, uh, tech skill by the bra- the search engine they use. They said Alta Vista, yeah, they're a good geek. They said Yahoo, they're a grandma. If they said America <laughs> Online, they were Oprah Winfrey. Exactly. Um, and right. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Well, Dogpile was a compiled search that got everybody. So you were you were you were elite geek. At that point, I used dog pile too, and and I put it on the web page at my school. Yep. So it was the default search engine because back in back in the day, that's what you did. Your 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 homepage for whatever your entity was had a search engine on it. Uh, nobody does that anymore because search engines are yeah, everywhere. Every, they're built uh, into the browser. They're all over the place. But that, that used to be a primary feature of that's like it. every, every web page. There was at least one search engine on it. Landing page. Yeah. Right. 
And landing yeah. pages are making a comeback, and I don't get it. You go to eBay now, yeah, I don't uh, not I mean, eBay, but PayPal, and there's this landing page that's a video. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't know why, but it's popular again. Yeah, everybody's trying to, you know, oh, get that I, synergy. I don't get it. Just let me log in. Let me do my thing. Oh God! <laughs> the synergy between the bands are such that what they really want you to do is they want to put a pin in that idea, so you'll circle back around to it when you finish with your business with on PayPal. Bullet, and then you can reach out to somebody about it. Uh, okay, moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I, I have a I have a question, Linux related. Okay. Um, and Uh-oh. again, yeah, so you're on the wrong show, Seth. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm sorry. We've already, this is just, you know, we got to get some Linux cred here in this new year. Okay. So if you were going to take a laptop and you were going to install Linux on it the first time, you know, we've talked before about having your home partition on a separate partition from your uh, regular install. What percentage of the drive would you think each one of those should be if you had, I don't know, let's say 128 gig. All right, I don't do yeah. percentage. I do space. Okay. Uh, so uh, you would want a hundred megs for boot. Doesn't take right. much at all. You would at want, least. if you're a swap guy, the amount. Uh, I know the recommendation is twice the amount well, of no, RAM, no, but that's just dumb. The amount of RAM. No, I'm going to say so if you got a hundred and twenty-eight megs of RAM, you got four gigs of RAM, RAM. You want four gigs of swap. Chris is going to tell you eight gigs. I of think swap. that's a fair. fair um, I'm going to tell you skip okay. the swap. Okay. Okay. Um, I say none. It's, there's no point in it. But I'm, I know I'm the lone voice calling out in the wilderness for, wilderness for that. Uh, you want for, for the OS 10 because, gigs, yeah, Chris, I heard 10 that. gigs for OS? I was going to say 20 because or maybe then 20. you have room for caching of the repositories. You know, for, He's for when, he doesn't, doesn't hear when me. It, when it, <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, I, I'll give you twenty. Right. Uh, I, it depends on how much space. You, if you're super tight on space, you could go ten or fifteen. Uh, it just depends on what you're going to put on it. If you're if you're going to throw everything on uh, the whole kitchen sink on it, and then I yeah, mean, you you're going to need more. I don't think I've ever out, used more than ten. At that point, I wouldn't um, worry about it. And then it. the rest is home. Um, Did I leave anything yeah, out? No, I think that, I think that's. So, Seth, did that answer your question? Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I think uh, percentage-wise, I don't know what that works out to, but obviously home is the biggest bunch. Um, and the thing is, once you right. deviate from the standard install, let, well, let this thing partition too. my disk for your me, slash, you have to remember your... things like a root if directory. If you're going to do the slash. Which I didn't, actually. I left that if out. If you're going to use that, I would um, say definitely do 20 you, or 30 you, yeah. for slash, and then the rest of it would be home. Yeah, you could do that. So you need your slash directory. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. So, yeah, you can have root, and then you can have uh, OS, but, yeah, what what I do is just slash, uh, typically. So, uh you you but you do need a boot partition people forget that it doesn't have to be big uh literally 100 megs is fine probably right. less 10 megs would probably be fine <laughs> um, say have to uh, and then you need slash root and then you need swap and then you need home those are the things that you have to need 
uh, have to need that you have to have. Uh, otherwise, you know, go with it. <laughs> you have to. I like, um, that's my catchphrase now. You have to need it. You have to need it. <laughs> so there you go. Better beginner Linux question. Um, because you're going to be formatting a machine, right? Yes. Uh, I, I was, um, I have an old laptop and I'm going to throw Linux on it and I'm debating on whether I just want to do the default install or if I want to break it apart into the element OP recommended installs. And, um, so just get a refresher course and we have new people listen to the show all the time. So that's a great topic to circle back around to once in a while. Yes. To revisit that, reach out about that. Uh, just maybe six weeks ago, I was doing something, um, again, the, the kind of thing that the guy who only does Facebook isn't going to do, but I hosed my, my OS, ruined it. Um, and I was able to blow it out and reinstall it and didn't lose anything. I lost like, you know, this, uh, these installed software. So I had a link to audacity, but no audacity. And I had to go reinstall that. Um, that's, that's what putting home on its own partition Which gets you. You still have to reinstall possible, stuff, but all your stuff is there. Altogether. All your settings, all the way you really like things do that. stays. And then you have that and really so, cool M SATA chip that you can put in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would probably be neat to like maybe put a document in your home directory that, and you update it every time you install software. So if you ever do wipe it, you just go to that document and go, okay, I need these five things or these 50 things or whatever. And then you'd be good to go. See, I, installing software on Linux is so easy for the most part. You just apt get install or yum or whatever. Uh, I don't worry about that. I just wait until the first time I click the link and there nothing happens. I go, oh, yeah, I, I need to install that. Well, that's because... Yes, your way is more proactive, but my way well, is lazy. Well, my way is for sometimes when you're bandwidth constrained and you don't have the three or four hours it might take True. to download that software, you just get it all up front. Or when you're at McDonald's yeah, on I their forgot, Wi-Fi. I forgot about people who live in the... I, I forgot about people who live yep, in the digital I third world. Say that. Um, I, I, for, I apologize for stepping all over the the Skype lag. Suddenly got really bad. It was fine for an hour, and then it wasn't. Um, so uh, moving right along, Seth, what do you have this week to uh, to uh, uh, lower my productivity so that you look like a better hiring option? Well, this one is for tight wads everywhere. Came across this article, and I thought this would be great for EDL. This is a li- this is from BusinessInsider.com. It's some of the coolest stuff you can find for under $25 an item. So, you know, this isn't like a diamond ring engaged in Gary from Tiffany's for $75 million. You know, one of the things is a life straw for $20, uh, Venus flytrap, just different cool stuff you can get for less than no, wait, $25. You're going to have to tell people what is a life straw? A what? What is a life straw, Seth? Uh, okay. A life, a life straw. straw. What is yes, it? it is allows you it's a straw you carry with you. Like if you're in the outdoors or a survivalist kind of person, Mike, like might like one of these. You drink water from any source and the straw acts as a filter as you drink it. So, you know, you you stick the one end of the straw down in this dirty pool of water mm-hmm. and you suck through the straw and it purifies it. Yeah. And so you're drinking, you know, more clean water as it comes out that end. 
Yeah. Great if you're a hiker. You don't have to pack water in with you. Right. So uh, cool yeah, stuff there's like a, that. There's some, yeah, there's some cool stuff on this. Um, miracle berries that make anything taste sweet or anything sour taste sweet. So um, exactly. you could suck on a persimmon and, and think like it's the, uh, the finest candy. buds that they talk about um, for noise Weird but cool. And who doesn't love a, a Venus flytrap? awesome right. um, earbuds. At least I think they're wrong. Yep. Oh, someday. Someday. I have to get wife approval right. for that one. You might want to get a Loot Crate subscription. That could be cool. <laughs> oh, the bubble right. calendar. Oh. Yeah, Seth, I think you have successfully lowered the productivity of a significant portion of our audience. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> A Bodart gun. I had a Bodart gun as a kid. By the way, never buy your kids a Bodart gun. That's bad. Mom, you are a bad parent the day you let me and my brother buy a Bodart gun. Uh, I got into a Bodart gun fight with somebody one time. Yeah. And uh, I I shot him in his arm and it it, like stuck a quarter inch into his bone. Yeah. Fun times. uh, I I dropped one in the living room carpet. Um. And it was like, well, this is terrible. This is going to hurt somebody. Let me get down there and try to find it. Knelt down on it, shoved it right through my kneecap such that it pinned my knee and I couldn't open it. I couldn't bend my knee. I couldn't straighten it. Um, uh, Both are are dangerous things. Don't buy them for your kids. But they were popular in the the late 80s, around the Rambo time period. I had a I had a Rambo knife and a blow dart gun. I was ready for the Viet Cong. Shot one through an eyeball. Wouldn't that do the job? All you need to scramble the brain. Yeah, might not help in a zombie apocalypse, but fun to play with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're also or just make them Possibly. really really mad. Put a little vibrate at the end of it. You right. would have to you'd have to have a set of lungs to it to penetrate far enough, I think. True. All right. Enough about weird stuff like that. I I can't I can't stop looking. A solar charger for mobile devices. The one uh, I, my favorite rainbow my favorite glasses. On the whole I don't know why you want those, but fine. Um a Swiss Army calendar. Knife. I, I, so I've got to like I have to close it. I can't wrap. stop looking. Um, <laughs> that is awesome. I want one. I'm going to have to go click that link. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What a great idea. You're welcome, world. <laughs> All right. So while uh, Seth and, and Chris do their Christmas shopping at uh, at this website, let me tell you how you can contact us if you would like your uh uh, email to become almost an entire show like Phil did. Uh, you can send us a, a an email. Go to elementop.com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page. That fills out a nice little form that gets priority in my inbox. Or you can uh, send us an email if you want to just uh, take your chances and not get the the priority and hope I'll find it. I always find it. Uh, send an email to edl at elementop.com. That goes to all three of us and we'll see it simultaneously. Or if you would like your own voice to appear next to mine, we haven't had that in a while. Uh, Call 559-IMOP anywhere in North America. That's a free call if you're outside the U.S. Uh, or Canada or Mexico. Um, just send me a, a you know a file. So, uh, throw something in a Dropbox and send me a link to it, and that'll work too. Uh, so we love hearing from you. Uh, again, we love hearing uh, your ideas for guests, your ideas for shows, your questions, your comments. Uh, we do this show for you. 
So please uh, let us know how we're doing. And also, if you like the show, let people know about it. That's that's the best thing you can do for us. Second best thing is throw money at us. You can do that at Patreon, elementopi.com slash Patreon. If you're into audiobooks, and I encourage you, if you if you're not a reader, but you're a commuter, get into audiobooks. It 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 changed my life. I, well, it's not a not a big change, but it changed my life. I'm a reader again. Um, I'm you know I'm I'm fifty six fifty seven books a year now. Um, where I used to be you know, roughly a book a week uh, or more than uh, if they're short books. Uh, I used to be a book a decade person. Uh, Audible.com, elementopi.com slash Audible. Um, you get your uh, first month free. Actually, let me be honest about it. It's not first month free. You're signing up, but you're not billed till the end of the month. And if you cancel, you don't get billed. Um, it's 14 bucks a month for their basic uh, one book a month thing. Um, I found that wasn't enough. I ended up having to buy two books a month and then ended up having to buy credits. And now I just kind of write my paycheck over to Amazon. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, or not Amazon, but Audible, which is owned by Amazon. Um, but I'm happy to do it because I get great value uh, for it. So. There's my shilling for that. Um, but again, the best thing you could do is just tell us, tell people about the show. Whatever podcast app you use, if there's a, re- a viewing system, a rating system, use it. And some of you, please take the, the painful step of going to iTunes and leave us a review. <laughs> I would appreciate that very much. Chris, Seth, as always, you were awesome because I overused that. And now I'm going to be sensitive to it every time uh, that I, I that think, I use it because I, uh, Phil I, I called I me out on that's it. An okay uh, but you were, you I'm were great hosts. Sure. You were quasi professional and somewhat interesting, uh, which is the best you can hope for on what I pay you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a comment, a compliment with a slap built in. Uh, anyway, Thanks for doing this. Uh, Thanks for listening. And that ends this episode of Everyday Links.